Hello, everybody. Again, this is Kent Clothier Sr. on the Experience Matters podcast. Your host today, co-hosted by Kevin Hommel, who will join us in just a second. A producer just told me that this is episode number 31 today. And uh, we're going to be talking today about discipline and calculating risk as an entrepreneur and business owner. So we're going to get into that in just a couple of minutes. Uh, wanted to thank you for joining us today. You can find us at memphisinvest.com on both audio and video. Also iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. And where we're available with 30 podcasts for you, your enjoyment to listen to. Hopefully uh, you will drop us a comment, send us an email, something you'd like us to discuss. And uh, again, it's our pleasure to bring you the content. Hopefully you take an idea or two from any of the uh, sessions. And uh, we've, been, we've been of some kind of assistance or help with you with some ideas and some thoughts and some content that uh, maybe it'll apply in your business and in your journey. So with that said, let me uh, introduce Kevin. Welcome, Kevin. Hey, and, thanks for uh, having me back. Thank you, sir. Whenever you're ready to jump in here and kind of lead us down this path this morning or yeah. this afternoon. Happy to. So I'm always glad when you want me to pick the topics. I try to go back and look at what we've hit on and uh, try to stay on theme. The last couple of episodes that we've done have talked about the risk of starting your real estate business or becoming an investor. But then before that, we've also talked about the risk of being an entrepreneur. So today I thought a good one would be um, to speak to the entrepreneur who is I'm going to say a lot like you. You always have ideas. You always have things coming up. You're you're always thinking about what's out there, what's next, how to continually improve. Uh, and I think part of that for you that you sort of instill throughout our company is um, how to always see other opportunities for revenue streams and businesses that kind of go alongside of what we do best, which is buying, renovating, selling, and managing property and giving a client experience. So. A lot of opportunities have come your way, come our way uh, in the history of the company, and you've had disciplines to say no to some. You've had the uh, desire and the, the, the willing to take the risk to say yes to some, so I thought we'd just kind of get into that a little bit, and uh, hopefully the entrepreneur out there listening can take something away from that. So, Well, as you and I were talking about earlier, there's, uh, again, the revenue streams in any business, each one of the revenue streams could be some kind of risk some kind of calculated risk and again as we talked earlier we have to know when to say yes and when to say no and you have to have the discipline and know how to calculate the risk that you're taking and the level of risk that you want to take want to take in any endeavor that you get into as an entrepreneur and so it takes time to do your due diligence, and I guess the thing that I've learned over the years, I used to make a lot of quick decisions on things, and I would listen to people and, and immediately make a decision. And sometimes that was good, sometimes it's bad. Uh, probably more times under that uh, scenario, it's bad than it is good. <laughs> and then as I've gotten older and more business experience, more life experience, and better people around me that I ask a lot of questions and I listen uh, to people and then, then I try to make an educated 
uh, decision based on the risk, based on the, uh, on the opportunity, based on the uh, possible revenue stream or whatever the, the case may be. But it's, uh, it all comes back to, uh, to me on when you get into any kind of risky situation that you've done your due diligence, you've done your homework, you've asked the right questions, you've listened to the right people, you've gathered enough information and enough content to make a decision based on a lot of people's input, other people's experience, and then it comes down to you. And the, again, all we're trying to do with all of that is minimize the risk. So I'll tee up one that's worked really well for us, and we can kind of talk through the dynamics around that one, and maybe we get to the end and we can we can look at one that maybe didn't work out well for us. But let's go to the insurance program that we've designed because your, your vision behind that was, one, um, we, we can – take advantage of our size and the fact that we manage 45, 4,600 properties and go to an insurance company out there and build a policy for clients. And that actually is a revenue stream for Premier, but there's also a, a bigger why behind it. It was the the right kind of coverage for an investor. How did that idea come to you? And, and maybe we'll, we'll kind of dialogue back and forth on how we put that into practice. Well, to me that we had an opportunity, and I think this came to play, into play at about 3,000, 3,500 properties that we had enough leverage there that we could sit down with an insurance company, more than one, and talk about what we could bring to the table for our owners and that we could bring uh, all these properties and owners to the table for uh, being able to leverage the number of properties in all the cities for a better policy, a better rate, a better... Uh, a better situation for our owners, which in the end does nothing but increase their risk, excuse me, increase their return. And that was the big play there if we could do that. And then to your credit, you went out and found uh, a number of insurance companies for us to choose from. And then today we keep looking at other ones and renews once a year and we bring different people in and get pricing. And today we have literally uh, thousands and thousands of properties on our insurance program that we do. And uh, it's become a new revenue stream. But again, it's something that we have to continue to monitor, continue to police. We can't just assume that it's going to be carte blanche every single year on it. It takes a lot of work and a lot of due diligence. But in even today, there's still a lot of opportunity for us to get additional owners and additional properties that we have on that. And then, uh, even outside of our company with this particular type of insurance for our owners or maybe even other opportunities for us with other outside companies or outside properties. So we bring in a, a fee to, to offer that service to the clients and we handle everything for them. So we that's an easy justification of that. We did have to add some staff to handle the volume that that creates. So there is some cost to us. But um, the bigger part of that, I think, for you was the it was the right kind of product for the client. And if it wasn't that, then the revenue stream ultimately wouldn't happen. And I think that's, um, you know, for, for a lot of entrepreneurs out there, that revenue stream starts coming in and they get addicted to that, but they stop looking at the fact that, well, it's still got to be good for the client and it's still got to provide the right coverage and it does have to um, mitigate a lot of that risk that they might take being a, a real estate owner. Well, nothing mattered in the end unless it saved money for our investors and was a good deal for them. And then it ended up being a uh, revenue stream for us for processing it and handling uh, renewals and some administrative costs that come with each one of the properties. And, but in the end, it still saved our owners money 
uh, and it still saves them money today in the insurance arena about uh, uh, what they could get and what we can get. In most cases, it does save them money and it ended up being a, uh, a new revenue stream and will continue to be good for us as we move towards 5,000, 6,000 properties. And as you said, it helps their bottom line on the properties because it saves them the money, which is obviously better for their experience overall as well. So um, that's one that's that's worked out really well. And again, the, the message there to the entrepreneur is it's not just the revenue. It's actually got to fit into the culture of what we do, which is provide a great experience and, and help investors be successful. And it saves them a lot of time. saves our investors a lot of time. We have investors... Average three, four, five, six properties. Some have a lot more properties than that. And instead of them once a year having to go out and shop it, they certainly can if they want to. Uh, but we do that service for them. And uh, hopefully every single year we continue saving them money. Yeah, so again, the, the that comes alongside our operation and fits really well with what we do um, to serve our clients. And that's got to be a part of it. Uh, you look at, in the news, the Southwest stuff and, you know, the the – the just the stuff that they do that gives Southwest their name doesn't excuse them from they still have to continue to do quality things and in the news today there's another issue with a a cracked window and so they're going to have a a hard time in the media for that for a while and that's probably going to hurt their company I thought that would be an interesting just the timing of that happening on top of this podcast was um that they they're known for their customer service but they that doesn't give them the ability to not be safe nope they have to, uh, and again, not knowing the cause of the two recent things, um, as in any business, you never know when you'll have a situation that is not pleasant. Right. And right or wrong, and whoever's fault it was or not, whether it's a manufacturer or their fault, uh, their name's on the building, on the side of the plane, on the side of the car, or whatever. And, uh, uh, Hopefully companies are strong enough to work through things like that. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be the chairman of Southwest today. Mm, so. Not today. So let's take one for us maybe that didn't that didn't work out as well as you'd hoped it planned. Um, what comes to your mind on something we've tried to do that just didn't pay I out? don't have anything. <laughs> we've been great at everything. <laughs> no. He's lying, folks. No. <laughs> no. Um, shoot, over the years there's probably a lot of different things in our company here immediate i guess we could go back to uh just in the last 18 months we took a big risk with uh uh owner occupied properties where we were going to go out and buy and we did go out and buy hundreds of owner occupied properties and uh mostly in texas and we realized after about a year and a half it's not what we do best i think in the end when we look at the whole uh big picture of this uh, we probably broke even on the whole deal, put millions and millions of dollars into it, but uh, it's just not what we do. It's not what we do best. Now, had that been the only thing that we do and we weren't in the other side of the business serving investors, we might the story might have been different. But we weren't afraid to get out there and try it. Uh, we threw a lot of money at it. We threw a lot of uh, labor at it. We threw a lot of... Um, a time at it mm-hmm. and uh, when you take a look at that after a year probably been a year and a half at this point as we exit that strategy that uh, we probably learned a lot probably something that today we probably wouldn't do again a lot of people out there is very successful at it but it just wasn't something that fit into the 
basis of what we're based on what we do, but we tried it. And uh, uh, again, sometimes you take risks that, that don't always produce big, big winning numbers for you. And that yeah, one certainly didn't. There's definitely a couple of, of lessons there for, for an entrepreneur who's out there listening. One, for terminology's purposes, those are houses that we bought that we were not intending to sell to an investor for management um, for long-term hold. Those were ones that we felt like were in a price point where we could put them on the retail market and sell them just like we would sell our own houses out there in the retail market. So just to define that, um, but you said one thing there was interesting because I was thinking about it a different way. You said if, if that was the only thing we did, we might have been successful at it. My thought was I'm glad that's not the only thing we do because we had the, the financial strength to try something and it didn't work out and it didn't blow up the company either. So I think there's a lesson in that for the, the timing of a risk you have to be able to, to sustain because there is going to be the possible downside. Yeah. And in those, I mean, we didn't lose money, but but it wasn't as profitable as our regular business. It probably did stretch our team a little bit to, to do that, the time invested in that as opposed to what we do best. So um, that's a that's a, the one I was going to pick if you didn't go there, so I'm glad you did first. Uh, but I feel like that's a great example for how you can still take risks um, maybe it doesn't paint out the way you want it to, but it also didn't bury Which one did you have? the company. That's the main one. The owner option oh, is the one I was yeah, going to talk about. Yeah. I think um, one of the other ones, we were going to do some education here um, internally and in the amount of time and energy mm-hmm. and marketing that goes into doing like a mastermind or something mm-hmm. like that. And I think we find that when we travel or, or this podcast even, there's a lot of ways to get that what do we do well out there without having to. There's a lot of revenue streams in the real estate industry. And whether we wanted to, and we have our own real estate company, whether we wanted to do listings and sit out there with open houses every Sunday, that's another part of our business that we could do. Whether we wanted to get in the education and the coaching side of it, stuff that we dabbled in, but here's 31 podcasts right here that got a lot of information and content on it for somebody. Right. Uh, So let's take the time to listen to these 20 to 30 minute podcasts. There might be, what would that be, Kevin? That'd be 20 something hours, maybe, Mm -hmm. no, maybe, yeah, Maybe twenty something hours worth of content here. Um, sure. so, so hopefully some of it will be good. But um, yeah, there's uh, there's some things out there in all industries and all businesses that you, you you're not going to know until you try. And we again, it was a big risk back when we started. Although we started with very little money, and and today it's hundred million dollar company with ninety employees and five cities and four five office buildings, whatever we have, and. Uh, and still growing and still scaling. So you got to be willing to take the risk. You got to be willing to uh, try new things. And uh, all you need is more of them to be successful than not, and you're be in good shape. Yeah, well, I think the if you look at, at your track record, your your hits are better than your misses. So that's what, obviously, you've got to average that when you look at all of it together. Uh, otherwise, you're going to lose money. Um, so, so let's look at one that – maybe you were on the fence about and we did it and it worked really well. Can, does one of those come to mind maybe? And I no, have, but I know th- you have something. <laughs> well, I'm thinking the new markets cause that's one new market. we've had a lot of discussion on internally, yeah. um, between you and Brett and Chris, but also our executive team on how we go about doing that. The ones that we've done, we've got some new ones coming. And even this morning in our executive meeting, we've had more conversation about it. Um, it wasn't your traditional, let's go, this is what we're doing. It was a lot more methodical about that. So 
what was different about that than maybe just, hey, let's create? Well, we've all, in the last three or four years, we've been predominantly in the Dallas and Memphis market with a few homes in Houston. We're up to around 200 down there, but 1,200 in Dallas and 3,000, I think, somewhat here. So we were and been talking about Little Rock and uh, Oklahoma City for the past year. I think just in the last six months that we've gone into those, I was a little slow on pulling the trigger on it. I just wanted to be take a more calculated approach to it and get our team a little bit more seasoned on understanding exactly how we were going to do a market. I wanted to be able to, which we did in the last six, eight months, be able to do remote closings on the rental side without having to put a bunch of boots on the ground in Little Rock and Oklahoma City, although we do have people in both markets now. But I wanted to see if technology would lead us to new cities and not have to spend as much money, not have to have bricks and mortar, not have to have a lot of agents on the ground there to rent our houses. And our team has figured out through technology on how so far to be able to rent houses in both of those cities, which leads us to look at other cities like St. Louis, like Tulsa, like Austin that we're considering, like like San Antonio we're considering, because now with technology we've figured out how to do this. But I was slow on this from our team. Probably I was probably a year behind what Chris and Brett and Kevin wanted to do, because I, again I, there was some reasons in my mind. I just wanted to be slow. We had done Houston. We had three people hired in Houston. Had an office down there. A lot of overhead. Today we have one person in Houston, maybe you need another person shortly. And we're figured out a way to, to eliminate our office down there other than just a small little executive space and uh, trying to trying to minimize the risk and maximize the return. And that should be in any, uh, any uh, entrepreneur's mindset as he steps out and takes any kind of risk on, uh, again, how you could uh, measure and calculate that to to minimize the, the downside. Yeah, so that was one, a risk you're willing to take, but a lot more conversation around that one because of the potential impact of new markets. And like you said, the main focus was on how can we do this without having to put boots on the ground but still provide the same product to our clients. And we've we've now done that. And so Little Rock and Oklahoma City, and still new, but we're, we're confident yeah. in what we've got going there. Now to talk about new ones. Uh, reminds me of the quote, and, and we've probably talked about this on the podcast before. Truett Cathy, who's the founder of Chick-fil-A, says if you if you get better, your clients will demand you get bigger. And that's really mm-hmm. the expansion came out of necessity from our clients that we want your product. And we've we've talked about it before. There's 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 more people wanting to invest with us in real estate than we have houses to provide. And so and we needed other cities. And that's um, that's where we're at. And that's, again, for us to get to. And we've talked about getting to 10,000 houses that we manage. We're almost to 5,000 today. So that's going to take anywhere from 800 to 1,000 a year for us to get there in the next five or six years. So we're going to have to step out of our comfort zone a little bit, take a little bit more risk. Uh, Hopefully it's very calculated and, and the returns are good for all of our people, all of our investors, all of our vendors, and certainly our residents in those cities as we, uh, come into those markets. And, uh, start doing what we do, which is to really uh, do excellent in every market and eventually dominate in that market. Yeah, and so this just comes back to one of our core values, which is deliver a wow experience in, in everything that we do. So 
there's a lot of conversation. If you're out there and you're the main decision maker in your business, a lot of conversation around these do's and don'ts for us comes down to the, the same cheeseburger in each of our markets for the client, the same house, the same experience for the client, the resident, the vendors, and the team. And you've heard us talk about the core four on this as well. So if it doesn't fit into those, I think that's kind of your built-in filter that's right there it. from what I'm hearing you that's say. It. Yes, sir. So what else on this topic today, Kevin? I think that's good. That's a couple of good nuggets for very somebody good, very out there. Very good. So thank you for uh, helping me today, assisting me, joining us, hosting us today. And uh, again, that brings us to uh, a, a good conclusion on uh, discipline and calculating risk. Uh, episode number 31 today. And uh, again, we want to thank you for joining us and remind you that uh, send us an email, leave us some notes, give us some suggestions on anything you'd like us to talk about that we could help you with. And again, you can find us on uh, memphisinvest.com. Scroll down and the Experience Matters podcast is on there, video and audio, or Stitcher, iTunes, and SoundCloud, you could find us. And Again, we thank you for joining us today. Have a great day, and it's our pleasure uh, having you uh, listen and helping you uh, with your journey. Thank you.